Hello and welcome to episode 409 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Friday, the 13th of January, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with St. Alphonsus de Liguri's prayer for Friday from his prayers to the Divine Mother. This is the prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain love towards her and Jesus Christ. O Mary, I already know that thou art the most noble, the most sublime, the most pure, the most beautiful, the most benign, the most holy, in a word, the most amiable of all creatures. O that all knew thee, my lady, and love thee as thou dost merit. But I am consoled when I remember that in heaven and on earth there are so many happy souls who live enamored of thy goodness and beauty. Above all, I rejoice that God himself loves thee alone more than he loves all men and angels together. My most amiable queen, I, a miserable sinner, love thee also, but I love thee too little. I desire a greater and more tender love towards thee, and this thou must obtain for me, since to love thee is a great mark of predestination and a grace which God only grants to those whom he will save. I see also, my mother, that I am indeed under great obligations to thy son. I see that he merits infinite love. Thou, who desirest nothing else but to see him loved, hast to obtain me this grace above all others. Obtain me great love for Jesus Christ. Thou obtainest all that thou willest from God. Ah, then be graciously pleased to obtain me the grace to be so united to the divine will that I may never more be separated from it. I do not ask of thee earthly goods, honors, or riches. I ask thee for that which thy heart desires most for me. I wish to love my God. Is it possible that thou refusest to second this my desire, which is so pleasing to thee? Ah, no, thou already helpest me. Already thou prayest for me. Pray, pray, and cease not to pray until thou seest me safe in heaven, beyond the possibility of ever more losing my Lord and certain to love him forever together with thee, my dearest mother. Amen. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Today, because it is still the Christmas season doesn't officially end, of course, until Candlemas on February 2nd. I wanted to check out an article from the Society of St. Pius X website located at sspx.org entitled From Holy Crib to Manger Scene, The Story of the Crib of Bethlehem. It begins as follows. In the Gospel of St. Luke, we read about the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. She brought forth a son, her firstborn, whom she wrapped in his swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Hence, from Scripture, we are told that the infant Savior was laid in a manger or feeding trough, and so born in a type of stable, not in a dwelling place of men, but rather of beasts. From these facts of the event of our Lord's birth, we witness the humility and tender mercy of the King of Kings. In the Palestine region, caves were often used in ancient times to house livestock, while feeding troughs were typically made of wood. 
Symbolically, the wood of the manger connects with our Lord's passion, which ended on the wood of the cross. On the other hand, the stone cave of the nativity perhaps alludes to our Lord's resurrection, which took place in the Holy Sepulchre, a burial chamber cut into solid rock. The fact that our Lord's birth occurred in a cave was passed down for nearly a century, but as with many of the other holy places, the cave of the nativity was not rediscovered until the second century by St. Justin the Martyr. Thereupon, a great devotion sprung up around it. In 326, St. Helena, mother of Emperor Constantine, had a church constructed over what has become known as the Grotto of the Nativity. Emperor Justinian had the larger and present-day Basilica of the Nativity built in 531. The next section is the Church of the Nativity. As with the other shrines in the Holy Land, the Church of the Nativity has an interesting history worth exploring. The Franciscan custodians of the Holy Land have a very informative website, it provides a hyperlink, that features the history of the shrine, a virtual tour, images, and even diagrams of the basilica and the caves located below. Note, though, that they have an ecumenical explanation of the shared custody of the Church of the Nativity by the Latins and the schismatic Greek Orthodox and Armenians. Today, one can access the Grotto of the Nativity by descending some stone steps situated to side of the Basilica's high altar. Upon reaching the cave, one finds the altar of the Nativity, under which is inlaid a silver star on the marble floor bearing the inscription, Hic de Virgina Maria Jesus Christus Natus Est. Here, the Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ. To the right and a little distance from the Nativity altar is another altar shrine, which marks where the Holy Mother of God laid the divine infant in the wooden manger. Fragments of this holy crib, or Sacra Cola, can be venerated in Rome in the Confessio under the high altar of St. Mary Major Basilica. There, in a beautiful crib-shaped reliquary of crystal and silver, the wood pieces of the manger, called Cunumbulum, can be seen and meditated upon. This chapel was built on the orders of Pope Pius IX, who had a great devotion to the Holy Crib of Jesus, which is the reason for the marble statue of the Supreme Pontiff kneeling before the Holy Relic. Another, quote, relic that can be found in Santa Maria Maggiore, the first Roman basilica dedicated to the Mother of God, is the, quote, crib of Pope Sixtus III, who reigned from 432 to 440. So, in addition to St. Mary Major, being known colloquially as the Liberian Basilica after Pope Liberius, who had the first church built, it also bears the nickname of Sancta Maria ad Prasepe, Holy Mary at the Manger, referring to the relics of the Holy Crib. The Latin word praesepio actually refers to a type of enclosure or barricade or a fenced-in area for keeping livestock. Later, this word was applied to the ancient Roman custom of depicting the manger scene of our Lord's holy nativity. This devotional practice, of course, was done to meditate more fully on the humility and poverty of Jesus Christ and the Holy Family's example of detachment from the things of this earth. The ancient Praesepio of Pope Sixtus III, constructed in 432, was actually a reconstruction of the holy cave of the nativity as in Bethlehem, during a renovation of the Marian Basilica under Pope Sixtus V, 
who reigned from 1585 to 1590, the entire cave structure was moved as a single piece into the right side nave, along with the figurine sculptures of Arnolfo di Cambio, dating from 1288. They may still be seen in the church today. Next section, St. Francis and his devotion. In 1233, having previously visited the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, St. Francis of Assisi, who died in 1226, was inspired to erect a Principio just a few days before Christmas in a cave near the town of Greccio, Italy, to depict how poor Christ chose to be for our sakes. If you want to celebrate the Feast of the Lord at Greccio, Hurry and diligently prepare what I tell you, for I wish to recall to memory the little child who was born in Bethlehem. I want to set before our bodily eyes the hardships of his infant needs, how he lay in the manger, how with an ox and ass standing by, standing by he lay upon the hay. As the little Poverello's biographer Thomas of Solano further related, he would often meditate on the desolation of Christ and his holy mother with tears and he maintained that poverty was the queen of the virtues, as she had become so radiantly manifest in the king and his mother. Probably have the dates messed up here because I have, uh, or it has uh, St. Francis uh, erecting the Presepio seven years after he passed away. So they probably meant 1223 instead of 1233, I would imagine anyway. It continues. This nativity scene included a live ox and donkey, but no persons, while on a stone block covered with straw, a carved wooden statue of the divine babe was laid, later miraculously seen to come alive. The Franciscan order naturally adopted the devotion of the Christmas manger scene, and through the particular efforts of the Capuchin friars, to which Padre Pio and Venerable Father Solanus Casey both belonged, the Catholic custom of erecting a crib in the home began during the 17th century. Later, outdoor major scenes became popular, especially in town squares. Unfortunately, today, outdoor nativity scenes have often been the cause of municipal controversies, though some townships have continued this edifying custom. See a YouTube video about the community crash in St. Mary's, Kansas, and a hyperlink is provided. I once heard a, a priest say, and I'm sure it's more than one priest who said this, is that your local town or village may or may not have a a crash, but what are you doing on your own property? Do you set up a nativity scene in the front yard for Christmas? Go for it. There's strength in numbers. And I recall in my neighborhood uh, over the past few years, after all the madness that's gone on in the world with the virus hoax, I was seeing more crushes than usual. I think what's going on in the world as far as the faith being persecuted, churches being shut down, the sacraments being unavailable to people for months and months at a time, has strengthened the faith of many. The Lord works in mysterious ways, and what you, when what you believe in is persecuted, I think you hold it more sacred than you did formerly, right? We don't take things for granted. At least hopefully we don't take the faith for granted. I agree with Mr. Patrick Madrid, who said the two greatest gifts God can give any soul are the gifts of their lives and the Catholic religion. We must thank God for these gifts every day and never take for granted the fact that we can attend Holy Mass 
that we can receive the sacraments. When those things are threatened, or even indeed when they've been taken away from us, as they have been over the last few years at various times, and depending on where you are, uh, it hurts, doesn't it? Let us thank God for all the gifts he's given us. And let us thank him, of course, for the sacrament of the Eucharist and the sacrament of penance. The manger scene today is the next segment. Today's creches usually include the figurines of the shepherds and their sheep, while even more elaborate precepios are comprised of entire villages containing many figures, buildings, and detailed landscaping. Some of these scenes date from the 18th century, when crib-making became a type of native folk art. One example of such a precepio in Rome is the extensive Neapolitan crib in the Franciscan Rome Basilica of Saints Cosmas and Damien. We must, of course, add that today, this touching devotion to the infant child in the manger is not complete until the expectant arrival of the three wise men from the East bearing their gifts on the Feast of the Epiphany, that is, the manifestation of Christ as King and Savior of the Gentiles. The ascribed names of the Magi are Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar, who from the Parthian Empire followed the star to Bethlehem, where tradition says its light shone into the well of the Magi, a cistern situated near the presbytery in the Basilica of the, of the Nativity. Their bodily remains are enshrined in the Cathedral of Cologne, Germany. Scripture tells us that the three kings came before the infant king and adored him while presenting precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We too can emulate these men who were filled with true wisdom by kneeling before the manger scene and presenting our hearts and minds to our divine Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into this world as a man for our salvation and eternal happiness in heaven. So ends the article. We can never thank our Heavenly Father enough for sending Jesus to earth. We can never thank our Lord enough for his passion, his death, and resurrection. He is humility itself. To be born as a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem, the most humble, the most meek of beginnings, that we might have the opportunity to be saved, to be with him and all of his angels and saints forever in heaven. So once again, I say to you, Merry Christmas, because it's still the Christmas season. And I wish you all the best in 2023 as we continue to move forward. Let us now mention Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, located on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. As well as episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, I interviewed my sister and one of my wonderful nieces about RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system of communication for non-speakers. Just as those who can't hear had a revolutionary breakthrough with sign language, so those who are unable to speak or have difficulty speaking my niece Brielle has non-speaking autism. It's been a revolutionary breakthrough for her and for thousands of other people 
using RPM, which is a system of using a letter board or a, commu a computer to communicate, sometimes referred to as typing to talk or spelling to communicate. She just wrote a beautiful note to Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills safety who suffered from cardiac arrest in a uh, American professional football game a, a couple weeks ago against the Cincinnati Bengals. And she talked about praying for him, him and he was initially unable to communicate verbally. So he was uh, writing evidently to communicate with people. And she talks about how she types to talk. It was uh, very moving and very beautiful. Well, we want to get this system of communication out to thousands of more people because so many family members and friends of those who are autistic still don't know anything about rapid prompting methods. So please spread the word, okay? H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org and episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast because communication is a human right. Let's pray now for help and for healing for non-speakers and their families. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Prayer of St. Louis de Montfort. Hail, Joseph the Just. Wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father of Jesus Christ, pray for us sinners and obtain divine wisdom for us from God, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the immaculate purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, Sancti Osef, terra daimonem. Ora pronobis, Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pronobis, in nomina patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 409 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. You can follow us on Twitter, at Fatima Podcast is the handle. And most importantly, please pray and offer up sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. Goodbye, and God love you.